Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio, and this is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher, tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. What's up again? Your bun is not yet done in the oven, so we are having <laughs> some pizza instead, right? That's right. <clears throat> That's right. I told you though. I I I don't know if there's any left to squeeze out on this one. I I, I squeezed it pretty hard on Sunday. Yeah. This. Yeah. So we, we're going to meander a little bit more in this episode than maybe normal. But uh, one thing we do want to try to avoid is being too redundant. Yeah. In, in this, so we'd rather you just listen to the sermon again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to just restate things that I. That I said already. Yeah. So this week, the sermon was titled, Fix Your Eyes for the Races from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Uh, your, your main kind of thrust was you don't race and then X, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you don't race alone. You don't race with weights. You don't race with endurance or without endurance, rather. You don't race without focus and you don't run the race without joy. Yeah, uh, there's a comedian I saw this week who was talking about his his favorite word. Uh, it's actually five words that you put as one because he's from the south and said, "What we're not going to do, <laughs> what we're not going to do, what we're not going to do is his, favorite, his mom's favorite <laughs> word." Well, if you yeah. and if you know if you know me fairly well, I I generally teach speak in the negative anyways. So that's mm. just more of my I I'd, I'd rather give you the denial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Than necessarily the affirmation. Uh-huh. I don't know what that says about me, but you know, I, I think that's because I tend to think of what's going to be your rebuttal, like sure, like what's going to be or or what is going to be the thing that you're thinking that's going to make what I'm saying go right over your head. Mm. And I don't mean like over your head as in like um, you don't understand it, but like you're going to be able to put it in one ear and out the out the next. And I try to figure out whatever avenue you're going to use to just dismiss it mm-hmm. and and i usually poke at that that's yeah so you just go ahead and drop the grenade in the bunker so it doesn't bounce <laughs> off right <laughs> that's right that's yeah. right that works so yeah. anyways you don't like you don't do these things that's that's how i think mm-hmm. yeah that's good uh what i think is most probably important in this is, is one of the notes that you do have down for this and you talked about it yesterday of this idea that as we think about fixing your eyes first of all I, th- I think it was great great point that this is <laughs> this is not the preparation that came before conversion right that's, mm-hmm. that's huge because usually when we talk about this it's like get rep and then the go is coming sometimes like a surprise you're already in it right yeah, that, yeah. that's important yeah this you're not getting ready for it. you're not you're not run like you're not uh waiting for the race to come to you like you're in it. Now, what I think is interesting about that is that if you teach this passage to preparation oriented, which it shouldn't be, then there's something that comes along with that, that if you've ever been in a race, um, I think whether you're good at them or not, I come from the not good side, uh, but I've been in them, uh, is the anxiety that comes from the prep, like looking like it's getting ready to start. And there's this anxiety that lingers before, you know, the gun goes off and you start. And so if, if you're prepping and you're creating all this anxiety and then you're like, Oh no, wait, by the way, you're already on mile 10. Like <laughs> that's just, it's really jarring. And I think that that tends to be some of people's issue on being able to focus is they don't realize where they are in the race yet. 
Mm-mm, they don't. So you have this aspect of don't just think about like the, the easy sins that we're throwing off, the obvious ones. You said the obvious ones yesterday. Uh, your, your context is, is bigger. And when you think about life in general, the context is a lot bigger than what we really kind of get too focused in on. Yeah. Well, I just I can't. I, I, I've been in so many um, counseling, formal, informal, you know, I'm even thinking like there's at least two people in my mind at this moment even that like they're in a situation um, and my fear is that they're not going to be able to see that the situation is bigger. Right, it's the same thing. I, I, I issue I have like when it comes to teaching my kids wisdom, mm-hmm. is like, buddy, I, I get it. All you can see is is um, you know dot number one and dot number two on this picture of connect the dots, mm-hmm. but I can see dots number one, two, three, all the way through a hundred. Yeah, and and here's the deal: I don't expect you, my son, to be able to see dots seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way to a hundred. I expect you to realize that there's more dots than what you can see. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's the same thing. I'm thinking of a couple situations in in our church like right now where I'm like, I I hope they I they they may not be able to see dots seven, eight, nine, ten through a hundred. And they may be able to see only dots one and two. What I hope is that they're humble enough to realize that there are more dots than what they can see, mm-hmm. because then what that does, then that opens their mind. There, it's a it's a posture of humility, <clears throat> which then opens up the channel for them to be relieved of the ignorance of those extra dots that they can't see, which is going to help them understand and navigate the situation well. So, in that sense. Life, that's why I said life is not just you and your boss. It's not just you and your angry kids. It's not just you and and your your spouse that disagrees with something you've done. It's you have this great cloud of witnesses. You're a part of a stream of uh, centuries and centuries and and even thousands of years, millennia of faithful people that have walked before you. You're not the only one in this position. And so just slow down and step back and realize that there there's a bigger context here. Yeah. So again, let me just reiterate, I I don't I yes, it'd be great if each person knew all the dots. Mm-hmm. But at least just start with <laughs> humbling yourself and recognizing you don't have all the dots. Uh, you're talking I, I was looking back at my last cold pizzas but i don't think it's that i think it was in uh king's table we were talking about some of that and that benefit of being part of that covenant body it's just yeah we're part of god's people and so when we look again at the old testament it's that individualism is missing and it's the corporate reality uh all the way from the institution of them as the people of being the people of god god's people in god's place under god's rule Mm -hmm that aspect of kingdom that we follow then into the kingship, into the monarchy and recognizing that now all of a sudden you have a covenant head in your king. And so goes the king. So goes the people. Mm-hmm. So that aspect of being you used the, the language, maybe from a quote yesterday of being in the Royal company like that, mm-hmm. that fits that whole second Corinthians five ambassadorship so much. 
uh, and has such a cool picture of of seeing us like ride out together as the king as company, the royal company. Man, we just in our individualism, we've lost so much of the uh, regal of that. We've lost the honor, the uh, the strength by numbers, the encouragement of the community, like. In all of this, and I, it drives me nuts because you hear this um, said over and over again in, in the church. Well, I, I just want to go do life together. I want to do life together with this person. And and what what they mean is, um, uh, you know, we're we're gonna hang out a couple uh, some. You know, we're gonna hang out some, uh, and not like we're going to make war together. Yeah. Uh, those those are two very different things. Sure, after the war, you drink some beers and you have a good time, and and sure you strategize. But like you, um, we are in a race. Like right, so, don't say we're gonna go. We're gonna go do quote unquote life together. How about say we're gonna go race together? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's I think that's a little that makes a a bigger demand and a more defining framework for that quote-unquote life together yeah you're racing together so when you do that and so then to use that metaphor well i'm racing together with those who have raced before me um i mean they're not on the track with me um but they are certainly cheering me on yeah well for those around you though the application's still there because i was talking to a couple people after service and uh, there's this component of like those people who don't realize they're in the race with you and they're just standing around looking <laughs> you're like let's go like come on oh, man you want to just do life together or are we going to keep moving yeah and, yeah. and that, that's a big component of this because then the question is like are you in the race or, at all yeah but that's a that's a slightly different conversation well which, I, but I think that's a that's a good point though russ i think we should talk about that like they're there are some people who are in the race by name only. Mm-hmm. Like they registered. You got the T-shirt. <laughs> and got the T-shirt and paid the entry fee. Um, but they're not in the race. Yeah. And and I think even even in our church, like I think there are some people who paid entry fee and got and got the thing, uh, got the T-shirt. And you can now buy T-shirts if, if you want. Yeah. Or you can just go to Goodwill in a few weeks and find them. Um, oh, I meant ours. Like, oh, no. Oh, you mean those T-shirts. Sorry, I was thinking like yeah, the good ones. marathon T-shirts. Yeah, that's true. Air Force <laughs> One. I've got some of those, and I never raced any of them. <laughs> I, and I didn't even pay full price. Right? <laughs> There's too many people sitting out there with, with, with cheap marathon T-shirts that are not in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sooner that you call them to race, mm-hmm. uh, the better. Yeah. The better. Yeah, so that kind of brings us into some of this next piece then of the sin that's clinging so closely. So some people don't realize that they're supposed to be running. They're just looking around with bright eyes and look at all these people. They're moving. Uh, some people just get distracted, as as it were, and others are running around with weights on them. And so uh, just exploring that aspect without just being redundant, you um, talked about this idea of throwing off all sin and – how you get so used to it, and it just made me think of like functional alcoholics, uh, for instance, as an example of people who are so comfortable with what they're involved in that they're able to live some semblance functionally yeah. Yeah. of what it, life is supposed to be, yeah. but they're still just not there in all the different respects. And, and the danger that we fall into that 
and if not actually to use the word we've been using, considering our life. And so it made me think too of mortification of sin, the book by John Owen, uh, that people should read for sure. Um, but then you, you said this aspect to you, I don't remember if this was from a quote or not, but you said every bone of sin is dead and in the ground. Yeah. Spurgeon. Okay. And that, for two two things, it reminded me of, of where we were in our call to confession earlier. Like, you don't have to beg. Like, sin is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have power over it. And so we, we come and can and run freely. But we had just covered Josiah in Old Testament survey and his cleansing of uh, really all of Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, he, 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 he finds the scriptures again after all this time. They're like, hey, guys, I found this. This is huh, – Imagine that. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, there's all that stuff. So he goes about setting all these things right. And the, the thoroughness of cleansing – Mixed with your picture of bones, it reminded me of this passage. Uh, this is in Second Kings twenty something. Uh, I don't remember which chapter, verse fifteen though. It says, "Moreover, the altar at Bethel, the high place erected by Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, so he he led Israel to sin with this idolatry. That altar with the high place, he pulled down and he burned it, reducing it to dust. He also burned the Asherah." And verse 16, and as he turned around, he saw the tombs there on the mount. And he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and <laughs> defiled it, according to the word of the Lord that the man of God had proclaimed, who had predicted these things. So <laughs> these these dead dudes are expired and their bones are in their tomb. And he's like, we're purging it all the way. He goes into the tombs, pulls out it. their bones, burns them on their own altar <laughs> to defile it further. And yeah, that extent, because he does a lot of other things, but like, man, that's, that's going after it, mm-hmm. you know? And because when you get to this point here on, you don't race with weights, there's a difference of, of these weights on you, maybe not taking you out, but they'll hinder you, but we got to take those things out. You throw yeah. them off. Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, maybe to step back a little earlier into what you just said, to the alcoholism. I think that's a great parallel. Um, most uh, addicting or addictive drugs, there's an extreme, like noticeable uh, physical alteration that happens, even quite instantaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, like this morning I rolled up to the building and, you know, a guy strung out comes walking out of the stairwell and, you know, he's, He's been around here. He's a frequent flyer, and he left his blanket for tonight. He, he did. He left his uh, his big comforter. It, I mean, yeah. Anyways, I have comments, but I'll I'll save them. Um, and it just was noticeably on something, um, and not dangerous, you know, at least in this state. But, um, but even like, uh, you know, marijuana that, you know can still, like it alters things, uh, and I'm not saying this is certainly not okay, but but you still have the stench. <laughs> like you still smell it, um, unless you cover it up with enough, enough Axe body spray. No. Um, That's worse. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but, but, alcohol, but, alcohol, but alcoholism is, um, you know, a lot of your run-of-the-mill alcoholics, you, you would never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're consistently drunk, mm-hmm. but they've learned how to function in a way 
Um, and that that's the kind of sin that I think is most dangerous is, and I don't, I don't want to just rehash from Sunday, but I, I just want us to slow down and, th- and think about that. And I think that, you know, over the past, you know, couple of weeks, um, you know, I, I made a comment on, on Facebook, um, that got a lot of attention and man, my heart behind that, like, I think part of what really frustrated me in a, in like a righteous frustration is Christians have sin that is clinging so close that they've just learned how to function with. And other people around them are going to pay the price for that. Mm. So the alcoholic pays the price, but but who pays the bigger price oftentimes? It's mm. their family. Yeah. It's their offspring. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've counseled with a guy who, you know, is in his mid-50s, and he grew up with alcoholic parents and mm. were that were rather functional. Um, but, man, they destroyed a lot of this dude's life. I mean, he's... Now, if you were to look at this guy now, he looks very successful and, you know, and, and has a lot of good things uh, physically going for him. But, man, mentally, uh, emotionally, his parenting, his marriage, all of those things have suffered great consequences because of the sin that clings so closely to, in this case, his Catholic parents. Mm-hmm. And, and so my thing is, like, even squeaky clean, good-looking Christian families, how much have they just let sin cling so closely and don't realize that their kids, their grandkids, their kids' marriages, mm-hmm. their kids' you know, grandkids' marriage, like all this, are all going to pay the price for that. Yeah. And, and I just I don't want that for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want that for the glory of God. And so what, what can we do to, uh, you know, to help people not do that, to, to help people wake up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. Sin that clings so closely. What, where's it at? You know, what are you blind to? Yeah. And you got to dig in around what you're used to. Yeah. That was the thing is, is it's not going to be these big, obvious things. It's going to be those things that you've carried with you. Yeah, and that's where um, uh, Spurgeon says, uh, the darling sins have to go first. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah. think that was in the quote about the bones. Like, they got to be all, all got to be buried. Uh, it's, it's hard because, like, you have to be resolute enough to deal with it. Like, uh, Jess opened up the pod that's been sitting in our house, in front of our house. It's got stuff that apparently we don't technically need to live because <laughs> we've done without for four months now, three months. But uh, I start pulling stuff out, and she goes, do you, do you want this? Where does this go? And I'm like, uh, I just woke it up from my Sunday nap too. But I'm like, I'm, I'm not ready to process this, <laughs> which is the same feeling I felt when we started packing. I pulled out my first thing. I'm like, does this bring me joy? <laughs> you know? I'm not ready for this. So, uh, yeah, to take those darling things and be like, it's time to take some action, you know. It's, it's easy to put it off to the next day. And I just to say that I'll say this and close on that thought. Um, the life free of those darling sins is so much more grand mm. 
for you and for everyone else. Yes. And so throw it off. They just just throw it off by. Um, I was reading a book this morning with um with Chap, and I was just reminded that uh, the author the author brought up this point that the uh like how how does grace become transforming mm-hmm. right grace is both forgiving and grace is transforming mm-hmm. how does functionally like practically how does grace become transforming well the moment you believe it is transforming mm-hmm. it is already transforming you mm-hmm. which is faith mm-hmm. right and so cuz because faith is grabbing a hold of something that you cannot see yeah and so if by faith you believe that God's grace is powerful enough to transform you, the transformation process has already started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's good news. Mm-hmm. That's good news. So these sins that you need to throw off, uh, all of us, where do you start? You start by believing that by God's grace you've been forgiven, but you don't stop there. You believe that God's grace is transformative, mm-hmm. and that's where that's where the healing, that's where the transformation, that's where overcoming, that's where throwing yeah. it off mm-hmm. begins. Yeah, it doesn't begin on the well. I went and said this to this person, or I went and made this right. I mean, that's all part of the process. But the transformation began. Yeah, the moment you said, "I believe." Yeah, I, I appreciate that on this aspect of you don't race without focus and what your eyes are fixed upon because this whole thing is so related to just worship. That's what you're discussing mm-hmm. is, is worship. What, where are you focused on? What are you shooting your arrows at? That yeah. type of thing. Yep. And, uh, yeah. It, it, the problem for me with this, particularly as a pastor, is I'm like, man, we're going to be sitting here again next Monday recording the next one of these, and how many people actually took a moment right now to pause and see what their eyes were looking at. I know, man. I know. And that's that's where this happens. You have to take a moment and consider. You have to reflect and see what are you actually looking at right now. Yeah, and you, you've got to, and I know this is harder for some people depending on your mental abilities, but um, you've, you've got to, uh, like, you've got, you got, you got to think com- in a complex way and I try to walk that line because he's, when he says, like, fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, he's not saying ignore everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying um, this is your premier example, which mm-hmm. I think I communicated that clear on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then I get into a conversation later, um, I think the same day with with someone where you know the they basically are frustrated like well I can't um to hard because I've got so much going on it's hard for me to do it all with God's glory in mind and I and I it just wasn't the moment so if they're listening to this here's what I wanted to say in that moment <laughs> <laughs> I I love you and so this is what I wanted to say uh, I'll say here um as I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to walk then practically with your eyes focused on Jesus. And I think Joe Rigney and Strangely Bright 
probably gives the best metaphorical example explanation of this, and that is, you know, we all, if you have healthy eyesight, you have what is in your focus of your eyesight, and then you have what's in your peripheral. Um, sports players understand this. I was trying to teach a, a goalie this the other day. Uh, well, I was actually trying to teach my son to teach the goalie this the other day. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, um, <clears throat> and that is, well, I, no, I was trying to teach Hayden this too, is that Hayden, Hayden went up uh, to, to catch uh, a serve that came in from the far side, and he was right there, and he just tried to do a, a one-touch in, like just kick it right into the goal. And instead, he had plenty of room. I mean, it was congested around the goalie box, but he had room to bring it down, take one touch to the side, and then kick it in, and he wouldn't have missed. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been an easy shot. <clears throat> but because he lost, he didn't keep in mind what was in his peripheral, mm-hmm. He got anxious. Mm-hmm. He just got focused on that narrow circumstance. So I got to get the ball on the goal. Mm-hmm. And and he missed. Choked. And, and listen, this would have won the game. Ooh. Right. So instead they tied, which I was proud of my boys. It was a 6-6 game at the end, and Chap scored five and Haynes scored one. <laughs> so uh, I love being that parent on the sideline. I, a funny note, this is completely unrelated, but – I'm rather vocal. I don't know if you can imagine that or not. But so People think you're prideful. Just go watch some <laughs> soccer with them. <laughs> I'm rather vocal and had a, had one guy, because of my vocalness, uh, throw his eyeglasses down and his phone down like he was going to get up and come give me the what for. Was he on the other team? Uh, he was. Oh. Not, but I wasn't saying anything. It's not I, you. It's, <laughs> but I'm I'm also that tell us good to get better. But I'm also that parent that when the other goalie makes a good save from the other team, I'm like, man, good job, keep. Like yeah. so I'm not like bad about it. What it was is he just didn't like me yelling at all. That was his problem. Anyways, um I caught him out of the, my peripheral vision, mm-hmm. uh shaking his head mm-hmm. in this um dissatisfaction of the of my volume hmm. um you know so i told him i was sorry yeah hey, hey man I'm, I'm sorry i kind of laughed it off and like i was gonna walk down and and he's kept shaking his head in disgust yeah. and and so as i uh, before i walked away i said i i thought this was a sporting event um that's why he was playing on his phone ah. at his son's soccer game right yep um that's when he got mad and <laughs> threw down his stuff and was going to come after me. And I looked at him before he got up from his seat, and I said, I told you I was sorry. And he stayed in his seat. Well, there's been some question as to whether or not you can fight, so that would have been interesting. <laughs> well, <laughs> I also know how to fight. So I went back to one of the other uh, parents on the team and stood next to him. There you go. Knowing what was about to escalate. And yeah. uh, he stayed in his seat. Imagine that. It was like he blocked me and unfriended me in that moment. Well, apparently yeah. I'm supposed to go with you to the next one. <laughs> Take care anyway, of him anyways, back to the peripheral thing. Sorry. The, so, so Hayden, if he'd have kept in his peripheral, like if he'd have taken in yeah. in the periphery that there was nobody else around him, he could have made a wiser decision. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to how do we keep 
the glory of God? How do we keep our eyes focused on Christ? Well, practically, what Rigney says is there's going to be moments like when you're reading your Bible and moments like this where you're hearing someone talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, where he is in your direct focal point of your eyes. But most of your day, literally most of it, he should be in the peripheral. Oh, yeah. Should be in the peripheral. It's just a, it's a, it's that, it should be the the muscle memory that you, all right, Lord, I'm going to speak this way, mm-hmm. right? Lord, this is unto you. How would you have me handle it? They're not long conversations. It takes me back to Martin Lloyd-Jones, dude. Like, everything he does is as a Christian. A yes. Christian does this. You are this, so you're doing is going to come from that. Being. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So if I'm... Uh, uh, Man, it was Abigail Dodd said, you know, how do I, you know, in many, at at this foundation, how do I uh, live as a woman? Mm -hmm. Well, I should let the scriptures inform what a woman is Mm -hmm. and what she is to be about. And then I live. (laughs) I live as a woman. I can't, like, I can't run a board meeting as a man. Mm -hmm. I'm a woman. I, I would run that meeting as a woman. Because I'm a woman. And so my encouragement to this person who I was talking to would be um, study up on all the things that you're doing throughout the day and think about how do I do those things in general as a Christian Mm -hmm. so that when you're in the moment, you've got that stuff in your peripheral. Yeah, I've been trying to help people see that that correlation between what you do on the horizontals, revealing what you believe vertically. Yeah. And I think people actually end up do knowing that, and they just don't like the result. Yeah. And and that's a a humbling moment. But focus. Run the race. Right? You'll you'll find the joy through that. You'll you'll get closer. Well, man, and this week's going to be more of the same. Well, I was going to say, the fun thing is if you don't do the work this week, the next couple of passages are saying that Jesus is going to do it anyways. (laughs) And you might not like it. (laughs) So, yeah. Yep. That's right. This week is um, how to enjoy. Uh, I don't know if this is the title, but how to enjoy uh, when the Lord um, orchestrates challenging opportunities or challenging circumstances to test and strengthen the muscle of faith. What we're not going to do is sin. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, well, I hope that that's been helpful and uh, it brings a little, it's a, there's a little bit more meandering, uh, but but that's that's where we're at in this application component is really trying to bring some of these things home and make sure that we're, we're doing something with them. So we've spent so long talking about how things are in Hebrews. Now it's, it's time to pick up and do stuff with these. So I want to encourage you to, to race with endurance, to race with focus, to race without weights to run the race with joy to invert all of your negative ones (laughs) I thought for a second all that sounded really weird (laughs) and you're not alone we love you so we love you guys we hope that you have been encouraged and want to uh, press you on into knowing loving and obeying Jesus as Lord over all we'll see you next week